Hey, it's Joyce. Every week, I have the chance to chat with an interesting, inspiring human and to share that conversation with you. Join me as I walk and talk with entrepreneurs, adventurers, and all sorts of people who are working hard to empower women and make the world a better place. Now listen, this is not some highly polished, formally produced podcast. It's just two humans out for a walk with the chance to learn from each other. So lace up your sneakers, head out the door, and join us. Hey everyone, Joyce here, welcoming you to today's Walk and Talk, where our guest is Mickey Havard. Mickey, am I pronouncing your last name right? I want to add an R there and make it Harvard. It's very hard. I, every, everyone does. So I pronounce it Havard. Havard, that I makes get way everything. more sense. That's okay. I get everything. I get Howard. I get Harvard. So you were really close. So I commend you. <laughs> well, thank you. I should have asked you in advance. I want to continue just introducing you a little bit to everyone. Mickey is a Pilates instructor. She's an author, a teacher trainer. She has more than 20 years of experience in the world of Pilates and movement. She's the founder of the wellness company Mickey Fit, which you can find online and all the social places, and we'll share all of that uh, later in our conversation. Mickey's the author of Pilates for Everyone, and she has taught around the world from Greece to Jamaica to Aruba and all of the beautiful places in between. So, Mickey, thank you for being here. Thank you, Joyce. So let's start, if we can, at the beginning, because you have been in the world of Pilates for a couple of decades now. How did you discover wow, Pilates? Wow, that long. <laughs> I know, right? Um, how did, did you discover Pilates? What about it drew you in? And maybe for people who might not really be familiar with Pilates, share a little bit about what it's all about. And it's uh, I know Pilates has a very interesting history. So starting with kind of your journey into the world sure. of Pilates. So I discovered Pilates in the 90s when I was footless and fancy free. I wasn't married yet. I was dating and I started dating my husband, my now husband. And I started taking classes with some of the girls I was working with. I was a buyer for a boutique then. And we started taking classes. We worked in a really high-end area, and that was the only place that classes were available in the 90s in these, you know, high-end areas. It's called Buckhead in Atlanta. And I started taking some classes, and I loved the way I felt. I mean, I was probably 110 pounds, so I wasn't trying to lose weight. I wasn't trying to get, you know, quote-unquote lean and long. I was already all those things, but I felt really good. And so I've always been an athlete. I ran track when I was in high school. I, I took dance class. I did lots of other things, but this made me feel really different from any of the other activities I had been doing. And it was kind of trending a little bit, but only trending with, like I was saying, in those, you know, really high-end areas. And I got engaged and I was like, okay, I have to, you know, continue this Pilates journey because I have to fit into my wedding dress. Again, mind you, I was probably 110 pounds. <laughs> you know, those days, remember those years when we thought that we weren't skinny? <laughs> you know what? So oh I've said this and uh, people have um, sure heard me say this, but I had a moment a couple of years ago where I wanted back in my life all of the time that I've spent yes. thinking about and worrying about my weight and the size of my ass. Like I just want yes. those I want those that time back because wow oh I've my wasted God, that so is much time. So much time. 
so much time. So I thought I wasn't, you know, long and lean enough or thin enough. And so I was like, I'm going to continue this journey of Pilates. So I took Pilates really in preparation for my wedding. And fast forward, um, got married, had my son, and I was a stay-at-home mom. And I really wanted to do something that I was able to do while he was either with my mother, who helped me with him a lot. And once he got a little bit older, he was like mother's morning out. So I was in a class, taking a class, and one of the teachers thought that I was a Pilates instructor. And she asked, she's like, she's like, I didn't want to disturb you. I know how it is. You know, teachers want to be students, too. And I was like, I'm not a teacher. <laughs> she said, well, you, she's like, well, you should be. You should totally get certified. So I thought about it, so, you know, toggled around and decided to get certified. And it really became such an outlet for me, not just, you know, for physical, my physical outlet, but my mental outlet. I was able to, you know, get out of the house, you know, being a stay-at-home mom. I was able to keep myself, you know, in, um, in, in the industry. And I fell in love with Pilates, and I feel just as in love with Pilates as I did when I took that first class, as I did when I got my teacher training, as, as I do now when I'm teaching my students. So can you describe a little bit about what the practice of Pilates is all about? And so just by way of background, my mother is a retired professional dancer. So oh, wow. uh, the history of Pilates uh, I've known for a long time, and it's just it's so interesting. But could you just share a little bit about a little bit about the history and kind of what the Pilates practice is all about? Sure. So the history started with Joseph Pilates. Yes, there is a guy, last name is Pilates. <laughs> and he actually created it to help military, injured military um, workers that had been injured in the war in Germany. And he helped these gentlemen in the hospital to regain their strength. And he created what is now the Cadillac out of pulleys and traction machines on a hospital bed. And he really noticed that the patients that were taking the Pilates classes were convalescing so much quicker than the other patients that he started to really drill down. Fast forward, he took that from Germany to New York, and that's where the big dancer influence comes in because he was working with dancers in New York, and one of his protégés was a dancer and introduced it to lots of dancers in New York, and that's why people kind of associate it with a dancer's body, even though Pilates is for everyone, of course, but that's where we got that, you know, that myth of it's designed for dancers. It was actually designed for men. That is so interesting, and I, of course, I never knew that piece of the history. I always associated Pilates with uh, dancers and dancers' bodies. And now when you say that, I, I am picturing the Pilates machine that people are familiar yes. with, the reformer, right? Yes. That's what it's called. Yeah, uh, exactly. And it, if you stop and actually think about it, it actually kind of does resemble the contraptions that you would see in a hospital, which for anybody who hasn't, now that sounds really horrible. So it's not I know, horrible. Right? <laughs> Yeah, um, but it I, it does take some inspiration from that. That makes a ton of sense. But I didn't know that piece oh, of the history. Absolutely. I mean, he was like the Jack Lalanne of Germany. Like he was the you know a guy that was you know very innovative, um, and definitely ahead of his time. You know, in the forties, and introduced a whole new type of movement, and that you know we obviously are still doing today. So 
When people say to me, and I don't know if anybody has ever said this to you, but I've heard this so many times over the course of my life and my work, when people say, I hate every, I hate exercise, my response is always, have you tried everything? And I wonder, (laughs) right, because I believe, and I assume you do as well, that we're built to move. And it's just about finding the thing that uh, aligns with your body or your spirit, like the fact that you found Pilates and that was the moment for you. You know, my, my husband is a competitive CrossFit athlete. He discovered CrossFit 15 years ago when nobody had found, had heard of it. And that right. was it for him. Like that was the thing. Yeah. How yeah. do we encourage it's people to find the thing? You know, I, it's so funny because I do a lot of wellness coaching. I worked for the Y for years, and I did a lot of wellness coaching. And people would always ask me, what is the best, you know, fitness modality that I should be, you know, getting into? And I said, the one you're going to stick with, the one that you enjoy. Because it's different for everyone. If you don't enjoy walking, you shouldn't, that shouldn't be your primary, you know, go-to. If you don't enjoy weight, lifting weights, that shouldn't be your primary go-to, even though you know, we do have to add in different, you know, modalities to be, you know, completely fit. But I definitely think that we have to experiment with all kinds of different exercise modalities so that we can figure out which one does spark that joy. Sparking joy will definitely motivate us to continue. And that's the real deal. We really have to continue to move. In whatever form that takes for us as individuals. So I I believe that the fitness industrial complex, what I affectionately call it, uh, has done a tremendous disservice to people in general and women in particular by showing us and telling us that fitness and wellness looks a particular way. Um, I agree more. Yeah, like, do you think, do you think we're getting better? Do you think it's getting better? I think we're getting better. I mean, I mean, the world is getting better in not just, you know, that, in that aspect, but just the fact that there's more inclusion in fitness and everything else. And the inclusion makes us realize, you know, your body doesn't have to look a certain way for you to be fit, number one. It doesn't have to be a certain way for you to perform a particular exercise. You know, you don't have to be, you know, five foot ten and leggy to do Pilates. You don't have to be, you know, super muscular to do CrossFit. So there, I think we're really growing. Luckily, um, we're definitely growing in the Pilates industry and a lot of other wellness industries. But I just think that that inclusion is so key to really let people know that everyone should be welcome into whatever movement modality is their choice. And that is really up to the instructors and the teacher trainers. Because if you're not creating a welcoming environment in your class or on your online studio or however you teach, then that is a major problem. Because we shouldn't be exercise snobs. We don't, we don't want just a particular group of people exercising and moving. We should have a goal that everyone would, should be able to move, and we should encourage that. And what what people do? What can fitness instructors and fitness professionals kind of do to foster that sense of inclusion and accessibility? I think that the, the first thing to do is to teach a variety of students, because. I was, well, I'll go back to when I was teaching at the Y. When I first started teaching, I was teaching exclusively 
at Pilates Studios. And I had pretty much a the same students over and over again. You know, I had a stay-at-home mom that was, you know, pretty fit. It was not, you know, it wasn't overweight and had done some type of exercise before. She was either like, you know, a dancer, prior, a former athlete, something. She had some path that she, you know, she had already created in her fitness journey. And that's what most teachers teach, especially in Pilates. Most of us are teaching the same monolithic group of people. And when mm-hmm. I started teaching at the Y, there were, most people didn't even know what Pilates was. I mean, when I first came, it took me probably three months to even create some kind of consistent group that would come to my class because people didn't even know what it was. And teaching a variety of students teaches the teacher so much more than you're teaching the mm-hmm. student because you really have to learn how to teach a variety of fitness levels, a variety of mobility levels, a variety of bodies, ages. All those things really make you become a better teacher. And I think that's the key to teachers being able to make other people feel welcome, to simply teach a lot of different bodies. It's so interesting to think about it that way, right? Because it's it's easy to look askance at instructors who are being uh, sort of you feel like they're being fitness snobs or yoga snobs right. or whatever it is. But I think you raised such an interesting point. Like some of them, maybe, and I, obviously we can't speak for everybody, right? But maybe some of them are teaching that way because, to your point, like that's what they know how to teach. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's how we're taught. When we have a teacher training in classical Pilates, which I'm trained in classical Pilates, I also have certifications in some contemporary Pilates, and but I don't. I teach a very um, blend of that. I teach a lot of classic work, but I also teach contemporary work, and I also teach lots of variety and variation so that people are able to access Pilates. So. I know from my training that I wasn't taught to teach different bodies. I was taught a very regimented course of study. And in my course of study, I wasn't taught to teach, you know, someone that was, you know, over a certain height, over a certain weight. Uh, I wasn't taught how to teach people with mobility issues. So I wasn't even taught that in my training. So that's another issue, the teacher training in itself to get out of just teaching to one particular group of people. I've seen, at least in general fitness, a tremendous rise in the last few years around teaching to what the phrase now that everybody's using is active aging, right? To teach to an active aging audience. Absolutely. Um, And that's certainly a change. You know, we're aging up as a society. So obviously... Uh, there's a need for it and going to be a continuing growing need. Uh, but it's interesting. I've never really thought about that, reaching into these specific modalities. Yeah, I just think that that's what, I think that's what's going to change. It has to change in the training because if you're not taught that in the training, then you're not going to be able to teach different people. And you're not going to be comfortable doing it, and therefore, what exactly. could be right, what could be perceived as fitness snobbery, could honestly just be instructor on some level feeling I'm not comfortable with this. I don't know how to teach this person 
So very in difficult. some kind of, yeah, very subtle way, I'm going to maybe discourage that a little bit. Yeah, and, and, and it's a lot to want to push yourself past what you're used to, no matter who you are, if you're an instructor or, you know, or a student. So it's hard for an instructor to push past that, you know, block. Like, okay, I need to go up a level in order to teach a larger group. And that's hard. It's hard to change. It's hard to change what you were taught in your training. It's hard to change your mindset. So it's not easy. Like my mom would always say, if you think it's hard to change yourself, why do you think it could be easy to change someone else? That it's <laughs> not an, you know, it's not an easy fix, but it's just we have to be willing. So it takes a willingness from the instructor to want that change. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I, I love your perception that it is improving little bit by little bit. Yeah, I think so. So you, I, and Nikki, tell me if kind of I'm wrong about this, but I perceive Pilates obviously is your heart, but I think it's also a bit of a jumping off point for you to encourage people to live their fullest lives. Right, it's not just Pilates for Pilates' I, sake. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a, I mean, I think of it as functional fitness. So if you're able to move fluidly and you're able to balance and you're able to, you know, stand up, you know, hover over a toilet, you know, all these things <laughs> that we have to do in our day to day life, then that movement of Pilates can improve those things and make them easier and make you have you know, this, that is a true functional fitness. And making movement functional to translate to your everyday life. And when you do that, it really does enrich your life. My mother is 82, and she has gone on about four of my retreats. And people are always so impressed that she's, you know, she's doing the Pilates. She's, you know, going on the excursion. She's walking in the streets of Italy. But she has been very active her entire life. And, you know, you're banking all these, you know, every time you're doing something, you're banking that activity. And it just helps as we age. And this makes you so much more mobile. And mo mobility, if nothing else enriches your life, is definitely mobility. Because we take it for granted. And I don't think that people really understand how important it is as we age to make our life more like it was when we were younger. It's such a cliche, but the truth is, use it or lose it is totally it's very true. true. It's very true. I mean, my, my, like I said, my mother is a definitely a, an example, and there are lots of, you know, women and men. You know, now, I think, like you were saying, just that encouragement of the, you know, the new um, buzzword, active aging. But I think that people are saying that it really does make one's life fuller to be able to, you know, walk when you're, you know, out of the country touring somewhere, you know, not having, you know, having limited mobility and enjoying simple things. One of the things that gives me so much encouragement in the modality that I'm most focused on, which is walking, uh, and I'm curious if you've seen this in Pilates as well, is how quickly people make strides. And I think that's part of... I don't know, one of the barriers that we've got to overcome that, you know, if you don't go to Pilates class, if you've been going for 20 years, like right. it's too late for you. 
But I assume you have seen what I've seen, which is people starting from not a great place and making yes. strides so quickly. I totally agree. It's so encouraging. I, um, yeah. I'll i go back to my YMCA days because this was I, – I taught a senior Pilates class, which to this day is my absolute favorite class. And there were, you know, many people that couldn't get down to the mat, so we did chair Pilates. Some people did standing Pilates. So we had lots of different variety. But I was so impressed, like you're saying, from people who had not exercised before and, you know, their doctor encouraged them to, you know, come and do Pilates because they had a hip replacement or they had a back injury. And they were really starting from ground zero at 65 years old, 70 years old. And, the uh, you know, all the accomplishments they were making in a short period of time well, it, it really was mind-blowing to me because I was probably 30, you know, at that time, maybe 30 or 31, and, you know, 50 definitely, you know, seemed far away, but 70 seemed like, you know, a lifetime away. So I was so impressed. And now, being 53, I'm more impressed because I definitely know that it is such – it's just a starting point. If you can just begin, and if we can encourage people to just begin, I think they'll be so – happy with the results. So, Nikki, it begs the question, how do we encourage people to just begin? How do we encourage people to take that first step? I think we encourage them by meeting them where they are. And that's why I, in my Pilates Everyone book, I have lots of different variations because everyone is not able to do a rollover. Everyone's not able to do a leg pull front. These are just Pilates moves. Um, so I, you, you have to meet people where they are. And you have to let them know that it's okay to start here. And, it, and it's also okay if you don't get to, you know, point Z or whatever the point is that you think is perfection, because that's a whole other, you know, issue that we have um, in fitness in America. <laughs> but I think that just encouraging people and meeting them where they are. Like with walking, if you have a client and, you know, they feel defeated, I'm not able to walk very far, then start where you are. If you're able to walk, you know, to the mailbox and back, that's step one. Repeat that. So just those little small steps so that people feel encouraged and not defeated. One of the great things about walking is that you can – walk to your mailbox and back, right? So if yep. you, and, and I'm, I've got, I'm getting to a, a specific Pilates point around this. So if you're feeling that you don't belong, that you're not accomplished, that you're not whatever, fill in the blank, you could start a walking practice that nobody knows about and nobody I love sees. that. I but love that. There's a feeling, and I have been an athlete my entire life. I love trying new things. I love learning new modalities. And I will tell you that I still have that uncomfortable feeling when I walk into a class where I don't know anybody and I'm learning something I don't know how to do. How do we get, yeah. how do we get, you know, that feeling? And I think maybe part of it is normalizing that feeling. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think we have to get over it. I just think that that's a part of, you know, you know, just human nature. I don't think that we have to get over it. I just think that, you know, we have to take that step. And I like that, what you said, normalizing that feeling, because I definitely get that feeling as well. Even if I'm taking a Pilates class, if it's a 
I've never taken the class before, you know, I may be in, you know, a new area. I always take classes when I'm out of town. So if I take a class, you know, that I don't know the instructor, then I get nervous. So I think it's just a normal thing. I think we all, you know, have that uncomfortable feeling when we're starting something new, even if it's not, you know, all new to us, even that one little novelty can make us feel, you know, a little bit nervous. Uh, well, for anybody who has watched any of your videos or your social, um, because you move so beautifully, for you to say that when you, you walk into a class, you have that feeling, I mean, that really just goes to, we all have that feeling. Like if Mickey has that feeling, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we really do, though. And, you know, that, and maybe, you know, I should say that more. You know, maybe, you know, that's something that I could, you know, share. But I definitely have that same fear, you know, when I'm trying a new teacher or a new class. I did an aerial yoga class recently. And, I mean, I was, like, scared, you know, because I've, and I have, you know, I've, I have core strength, you know, I have balance, you know, I'm fit, but it's still something new. So I don't think that we have to let people know that that's not a normal thing. Like you said, normalizing it is probably the best way to go. And knowing that walking into a class, especially if it's a well-established class, yeah. is definitely for many of us going to trigger high school. So like just uh, know, right? <laughs> That you took the words out of my mouth. It's just that feeling of wanting to be, you know, a part of something. And if you don't feel that way, you know, it's it's nerve wracking. It's very uncomfortable, and I, I love this conversation because just putting out it out in the world that yep, it's going to be uncomfortable. And as as we often say around here, the magic is getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Absolutely, just that step, just begin that first step. I had a wellness client of mine, this was years ago, and she would drive to the gym and she would sit in her car and she did that for about two weeks. And oh, the next, thing. I know, I mean, the anxiety of it all. And yep. so she asked, like, what should I do? I was like, next time just walk to the door, even if you don't go in, get out of the car and just walk to the door. Put your hand on the handle. If you decide to go in, fine. If you don't, walk back to your car. And it took her, you know, two or three weeks to get comfortable enough to go into the gym and actually take a class. So, I mean, I think as fitness instructors and as people who are, you know, athletic all our lives, we take that for granted, you know, the anxiety that surrounds not just starting a class, you know, but being around other people that we deem that are, you know, perfect or have, you know, already accomplished what we're trying to accomplish. So, I just think that we really have to, like you said, normalize that, normalize that feeling and let people know it's okay, just begin. And whatever your beginning is, because everybody has a different beginning. And I, you have spoken a lot about uh, the opportunity for instructors uh, to make their, their classes, their practice, all of that more accessible. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's what you were just saying has me thinking that I think there's some opportunity. I was going to say responsibility, but that's too strong a word. But I think there's some opportunity for all of us just as individuals, right? Because I'm picturing myself, that woman, that client of yours, I'm picturing mm -hmm. her getting out of the car, walking to the door, 
standing there for a moment and how does it change? How does the story change if somebody right. walking into that building said, oh, is it your first time here? Oh, I remember my Absolutely. first time. Absolutely. Right? Or let me show you where the locker room is or whatever, just opening that door. I think, I think we all have the opportunity to do that. That's that's a great point. Yeah, not not just fitness instructors, just us as human beings. You know, just yeah. having that you know, extra human touch. Exactly. Um. All right. So I would like. I actually don't really want you to do this. Um. But I'm <laughs> going to invite you to share a little bit about your upcoming retreat. And the reason that I don't because I'm going to be <laughs> salivating and want to hop on a plane and go with you. Um, oh but you God. do these these periodic retreats in these amazing places, right? I, you know what? I pinch myself every time I get off of a flight. I really do. Like I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this. This is my life. <laughs> it's incredible. So yeah, I this year we're going to Zermatt, Switzerland, and I may be pronouncing it wrong. And it it is a gorgeous, absolutely stunning area. When I looked at the photographs and we did a um a Zoom call and we were and we had the resort um representative on the line and they were scanning and I was like, this doesn't even look real. And it's a beautiful time to, of year to go. We're going from July the third to the eighth and it's about seventy two to seventy five degrees Fahrenheit in the summer and that's the high. So in the morning it's cool and crisp so you can hike but you can also take a dip in the pool in the you know warmth of the day, and you would not believe the resort. It's called Servo Resort, and it's just amazing. We're going to have Pilates, of course. We'll have breath work. We'll do some journaling. And the company that curates my trips is called Travel Gems, and they curate the best excursions ever. And it's not just about Pilates. It's about the community and it's about us taking adventures, it's about self-care, it's about resetting. It's just one of the favorite times of year for me when I do these retreats because I get to connect with people in person, and not just in person, but for you know extended period of time. It's such a nice feeling to get that family and community feel with like-minded people. Just amazing. The pictures look unbelievable. And we will link to all of that in the show notes and uh, share on our social as well. Uh, so I have maybe... four slots left. Four slots left. Oh. So if you're coming in, yeah, I, we added four slots because we had, um, we came up to capacity and so we added four slots. So they're not going to last. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for being part of our walk and talk today, sharing your wisdom and your passion with the 99 Walk community. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Joyce. I truly enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us for today's walk and talk. Catch new episodes featuring inspiring guests every week in the 99 Walks app and all the places podcasts live. Until then, I wish you happy trails.